all the good things. We got all the good things. A story to uplift and moments of bliss to remind us all that life is a gift and because we truly care all the good things we Hey there, friends. Welcome back to All the Good Things podcast. My name is Esme. I am one of your hosts. And I'm your other host, Melissa. Woo-woo! And together we are a power team and we love doing this podcast. And one of the reasons why we love this podcast so much is that it just creates an opportunity for positivity in our lives. And we hope it creates that opportunity for you too. I saw a quote the other day that said, like, if you look for negativity, you will find it. And guess what? The same is true for the opposite. If you look for positivity, you will find it. And this podcast is all about the good things because they need more time, more energy, more love. They need to be uplifted and elevated. And we hope that it adds a little bit of a smile to your day today. Woo, preach. Woo! So one way that we like to honor that in our lives is to start every podcast with just a little good thing that's happening to us. So if you want to join in on that, press pause and reflect to yourself on one good thing that's happened to you this week. Because we can guarantee you (laughs) there's a bunch. (laughs) Yes, now press pause. (laughs) And welcome back for everybody who did press pause. We're going to dive into ours. So Melissa... What's a little good thing that happened to you this week? This past weekend, Ollie and I went skiing for the last time in Big Bear before our pass ends for the season. And I'm just feeling really grateful that we got to do that considering a lot of things were closed this past year, as we all know by now. But skiing was open and it was something we got to do just with decreased numbers and of course wearing masks. And It was really awesome to be able to enjoy something outdoors and something that I was totally new to before this past season. So I really love skiing now. I'm not afraid of the snow anymore. Big strides. And I got to have some quality time with my hubs. (laughs) That's awesome. You've been going a lot too. I've been trying. I've been trying, trying to make the most out of that pass. What about you, Esme? Ooh, okay, I'm so excited for this one, and I've talked about it before on the podcast, but I have an adorable dog who I love dearly, and he's super weirdly shaped. I'm talking like long body, tiny legs, massive ears, and like the colors of a mini pin, but the tail of a corgi, and anywho, I rescued him, so I have no idea what he is, but his birthday was on March 1st. And I decided to get a DNA test, you know, finally figure out what adorable combination of breeds makes up my little guy. And we finally got the results back. <gasps> yeah! Were you right? No, I was so wrong. I <sighs> passionately thought that he was a Corgi Min Pin mix. Do you have any guesses before I reveal? I still believe he's a Chowini. You are absolutely right, (laughs) but it is definitely more like chi and then a tiny bit of weenie. So he's 40% chihuahua. Okay. He's got a lot of chihuahua, a a lot more than I expected. (laughs) And then he's 15% dachshund, 
which is wiener dog. And then we get 11% poodle, 7% Yorkie, 7% Russell type terrier, 5% Shih Tzu, and 13% super mutt, which means the rest is just like a bunch of random, random breeds. Wow. Yeah. He's a lot of things. So he's more like a Chewina doodle. He's a Chewina doodle. Because the, the, the wiener dog and the poodle amount is is pretty close to each other. Oh. Yeah. I just like the sound of Chewini. I think part of that, you know, charm is from the name. Chewini is cute, but I got Chewina doodles kind of adorable too. Oh, Chewina doodle. Okay. It's flowing a bit better now. Anywho, that, that was a great part of my week is just figuring that out. So let's dive in with this episode. It is Little Things number eight. And we love this episode because instead of telling big good stories, we just have a bunch of little good stories to share with you. So there's more spaces for you to pause, more spaces for you to come back to it. And it's just going to be digestible, short, sweet, and delicious. Yes, let's dive in. You want to take us away with your first little story, Melissa? I'm so excited. And this first little story is especially delicious. (laughs) So we're taken to Twitter, friends, where I found this one. And it's about Bean, 15-year-old Bean. That's his name. And he's autistic, and he happens to love peanut butter. And, you know, I love peanut butter, too. So when I saw this tweet, I was like, let me pause. Let me read. He tweeted at Little. It says, hi, Little. I really love peanut butter. I eat peanut butter and jelly three meals a day and when little which is his favorite store in the u.s that carries his fave brand of peanut butter that when you guys had a sale back in february my mom bought me 72 jars of peanut butter for 78 cents a jar and i numbered them so i could keep track of how many i have and how fast i eat it and he tweeted back in october that he finally finished his 72nd jar of peanut butter. Oh my god! So he was telling Little, I think it's time you guys have another sale for me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and Little saw his tweet and responded back to him and said, if you get 72,000 retweets, we'll give you a lifetime supply of peanut butter. Yeah. So... While he was working his way towards this, they sent him another 72 jars to hold him over. But before you know it, Bean had his dream come true and he got 76,000 retweets thanks to the Twitter fandom and the community wanting him to also achieve his goal. And he got a lifetime supply of peanut butter from Little and they started by sending him just 5,000 jars. I say just, but I'm oh like, my that's gosh. hefty. Yeah. And even Bane realizes that he doesn't need that many jars of peanut butter right now. So he wanted to volunteer his jars of peanut butter to furloughed employees at his dad's company, including his dad. And he decided to give three jars of peanut butter to every furloughed employee so that they could have some themselves and take part in his joy and share the cherished treat. That is so cute. I love that. Good job, Little, and congratulations, Bean, on a lifetime supply of peanut butter. That is a talent and a, a gift. Yes. A well-deserved one, way. too. You, you got the retweets. <laughs> you earned mm-hmm. it. 
Yeah, fair <laughs> and square. So my first little story is inspired by my dog's breed reveal. And it's about a gender reveal. So I got most of this information from a BuzzFeed article, which got their information from a viral TikTok of a couple who had a gender reveal event. And this is just the best. So gender reveals in general are a fun, festive idea, but there's a lot of controversy surrounding them in terms of the danger and the lengths to which people will go to reveal the gender of their child. Big hint, don't use explosives. <laughs> just just don't. Don't burn down a national forest. <laughs> you don't need to. You don't need to go that hard. It's just a baby. And um, there's also, you know, some conversation about it's a little bit dated to assign a gender to a child that hasn't you know, chosen their gender identity yet. So just, you know, in general, I think that that agenda reveals is kind of on the decline, right? But I'm going to say... I like those. This cu- Okay, I love them when they're like cupcakes. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? when it's a party. Yeah, I, Or Count when they're like, in. the color is gold because my kid can be whatever it wants to be. Anyways, well, my point in saying that is it's kind of on the decline, right? But this couple, I think, just re revamped it and it's going to come back stronger than ever and here is what their video looked like so this is a video from tiktok and it features charlotte and dan fontaine from manitoba canada so just shout out to canada you guys are the most wholesome people ever we love you and in this video they're standing with a big black balloon that probably has confetti inside And they're like, oh, I don't know, what's it going to be? And someone runs onto the screen, pokes it with a little pin, and pink confetti explodes out of the balloon. And the girl who poked it is this girl, and she turns around, she's like, it's a girl. It's a 12-year-old girl. (laughs) And it was her. And the gender reveal was to celebrate her adoption day. And this couple had been her foster parents for four years, and they did a gender reveal party for their adoption day, even though they already knew the, the uh, child. <laughs> that's so cute. Yeah. And uh, she's a big, big Harry Potter fan. Her name is Bianca. And so they all were wearing Harry Potter themed shirts. One of them said she's a catch and had a golden snitch on it. One of them said she's a keeper. Like Ah, one of the physicians. I hope you guys watched Harry Potter. This all makes so much sense. And she was wearing a shirt that said the chosen one. That's so cute. And it's absolutely the best gender reveal that's ever happened in all time. Okay. That was really good. And that was safe. (laughs) It was a balloon. All right. Hit us with another little good story, Melissa. Okay. I'm coming at you. This one is about a small bookstore that was, like many other small businesses, floundering because of coronavirus pandemic, and they were about to go out of business, but they took to their Instagram, and they started posting pictures of how many books they needed to sell per month to stay open, and they shared their daily, their weekly totals, rather, to keep their customers and community involved and totally aware with how they were doing so their goal was to sell 
1,350 books per month to stay open. And that was simply to break even, no profit, just to pay their rent. And it turns out the late show hosted by Stephen Colbert saw this. Stephen Colbert. Oh, is that how you say his name? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just 0 for 2. Thank you for that. He's super famous too. (laughs) No, I don't. I recognize his face, but I don't know his name. (laughs) I know the late show though. Okay, let me me do that again. What is he, French? (laughs) Stephen Colbert. Okay, there's a T at the end. (laughs) All right, let me try that again. Stephen Colbert. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me try that again in the correct pronunciation. Thank you, Esme. She's my translator. Um, (laughs) Stephen Colbert from The Late Show decided to endorse Foggy Pine Books as one small business to feature in their Super Bowl Sunday ad. And on top of that, they got Tom Hanks on board to be in the ad and to say something like, Foggy Pine Books has the best books in all of Boone, which is where they are located in Boone, North Carolina. And because of this little ad, this little shout out, so many people started flooding Foggy Pines with orders for books. They were back ordered. There's people ordering from as far as Ecuador to Finland, all wanting to support because of this ad. And it gave them enough revenue stream to stay open a bit longer and also help them find a meaningful way to connect with their new customers. And I just want to shout out Tom Hanks and Stephen Colbert for coming together to highlight a small business. They only had a chance to choose one, but they found Foggy Pines because of their transparency on social media, because they were very open about how deeply they were struggling to stay open. And because of that vulnerability, because of that transparency, someone from The Late Show found them and decided to honor them that ad and that exposure to keep them safe and open. Yeah, good job. I love it. Uh, All right, my next little story is short and sweet, and it also throws back to my share of Bear's, (laughs) Bear's Breed reveal. I had to take Bear to the vet this week, and he got some blood work done, and it was sad because I couldn't be with him. I just had to sit in my car and take him away. And uh, Megan McKay, who is on Twitter at M-M-M-E-G-A-N, also had to bring her dog to the vet recently. And her dog's name is Lucy, and it's this really adorable white fluffy dog, probably like a multi-poo type, and uh, came back with a cone. I think Lucy had to have a surgery and be in the cone so that she wouldn't, you know, lick or contaminate the scars. But when the vets gave Lucy back, they also gave her back with a piece of paper that said Certificate of Bravery, and it had Lucy's picture on it, and at the bottom it said, in recognition of her bravery and positive attitude during her stay with us. That's so cute! And that's the whole story, (laughs) is this vet in Toronto sends home certificates of bravery to people's with people's pets and it's super cute and made me smile 
That's so wholesome. That's just another cute way of being innovative and spreading kindness and light into the world. And you know that makes the the, the pet owner feel so good. I would yeah. I would put that on my fridge. <laughs> Absolutely on the fridge. Maybe frame right, it. Oh yeah, let's frame that fish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my put last it on a pedestal with lights. Ooh, <laughs> a little shrine. That might be too much. <laughs> it's never too much. All right, my last story for you guys today is about love in a time of Corona. And guess what? It's love between two 94-year-olds who actually found each other during the virus and started dating towards the beginning of COVID when it first happened. And from what John Schultz and his girlfriend Joy Morrow Knowlton say, it was actually a really big pain to try to date and see each other during this time because they didn't want to get each other sick or they were worried because they're obviously very high risk at their age. So they made it work by seeing each other in a bubble and being very, very cautious of who they were talking to, where they were going. And they met each other along the banks of the Hudson River in New York, where they take daily walks or strolls to get some fresh air. Everyone asked, how did you guys become a couple? How'd you make it work? And John and Joy both said that they've been widowed twice before and that their determination to find love is still innate in them. And they had to return back to simple pleasures, their romance, their courtship, if you will, focused on things like long drives to nowhere or, you know, hitting a balloon in your house to avoid it from hitting the floor. Like they just did lots of really simple things to get to know each other and still have fun. And now they've both been vaccinated so they can hang out together and go more places. But the best thing is, earlier this year, John asked Joy to marry him. And apparently he did so a dozen times and she finally said yes. (laughs) And they had- (laughs) Yeah. And she said yes, and they're set to have their wedding later this year, and they already had their dress rehearsal in the spring. So they're crack-a-lackin'. No time to waste when you find the one. I love that, and I love it because I think sometimes people, like, give up on love, and they're they're still so young. And these people, what, 94? Are you kidding? They're both 94. That takes so much, so much uh, just vivaciousness to still put yourself out there i I love it it. i love it i love it i love it for all you young folks it's possible (laughs) we've got one more little good story for you here and i'm super excited about this one and this takes place in florida over 80 years ago we're talking the 1940s here This was a time before light pollution, before coronavirus, where the vibrant Milky Way could be seen from the pitch black beaches and citrus was everybody's jam, right? It was just a small little quaint place in Florida right along the beach. So it's the perfect place for a monster to come romping around. And that's exactly what happened, guys. This this little town 
had a monster in its midst. And I'm talking like big, scary monster that would come out of the ocean in the middle of the night, leave tracks on the sand that were 14 inches long, 11 inches wide and deep. We're talking like you had to be 2,000 pounds deep to put that much depth of a track into the sand. And it was a weird, these tracks were a weird shape. They were three long toes and a narrow heel, almost like a bird, almost like a dinosaur, but something very bizarre. And these tracks would romp around, knock over lifeguard towers, leave behind traces of hair and feathers and just bizarreness <laughs> and disappear back into the water again. And this happened on and off over a spread of, I want to say, a hundred miles for years and years and years. And sometimes it would be more active than others and sometimes it would disappear. It made the news, it made the radio. It's called the clear water monster. And people were freaking out about it they thought it was unreal. Some of them imagined it was a, a giant salamander and some imagined that it was a giant penguin walking around. But no one was able to capture it. Fast forward to 2006 and an article comes out in the St. Petersburg Times where someone named Tony Signorini details his life as he's 85 years old and, and nearing the end of it, so wants to, wants to just share his life experiences. And one thing he revealed is that he has always been an elaborate prankster. He once uh, brought a horse into a county jail to prank the police chief. <laughs> <laughs> and he went on an, a massively elaborate prank to convince people that there was a monster in Florida. So it was this guy, Tony, and his buddy, they like made these feet out of plaster molds and then went somewhere that could fill them with lead. And they would take him in a boat, row to a random beach. He would hop out, and he was in his 20s, or late 20s, mid-20s around then. He would put him on his feet and romp around the beach and then go back into the boat. And he said, because he wanted to make it look really big he and they were heavy, he would have to take his feet and swing them way out to the side and then all the way around to the front, like a huge step. He's, he's shocked he didn't break his legs in this process because the each foot was about 30 pounds. And he, he single-handedly would knock over life lifeguard towers <laughs> on on this rampage and uh, he had a kick out of it and his he thinks his wife knew because he would leave at like 10 p.m and return at 2 a.m all sandy but she kind of just let it happen because she's like eh some people's husbands sneak off in the middle of the night to cheat on him mine goes and pretends to be a monster <laughs> on the beach <laughs> and he revealed his secrets uh when he was 85 he kept it for that long. Oh my god. And that's gosh. it's just hilarious and funny and amazing. That's like he wins the MVP prankster award. 
<laughs> the long haul. <laughs> the long haul. Dedication. They'll probably make a movie out of that, just like they did with the game so. of tag. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Anyways, friends, thank you so much for sticking around and listening to our good stories for you today. We hope you smiled at least once. And if you did, think about spreading that smile and sharing it with someone and uplifting their day. Send them a link to our podcast and ask them to listen and if you have any good stories you can always 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 share them with us at www.allthegoodthingspodcast.com or on instagram at all the good things podcast and that's that so we'll see you next week oh actually support us on patreon we are there if you love this podcast we would love your support and you can check us out on patreon at all the good things Alrighty. Have a great week, friends. We'll see you Monday. See you Monday. All the good things. We got all the good things. A story to uplift and moments of bliss to remind us all that life is a gift. And because we truly care, all the good things we share. All the good things.